Welcome to this episode of Sunny Silver Linings. Sunny's guest today is Ross Browse. Ross is the president and COO of Continuous Networks and has developed a time utilization process that can help any MSP succeed if followed correctly. Ross lives by the mantra that the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And now, your host, the founder and CEO of IT by Design, Mr. Sonny Kayla. Over to you, Sonny. Hello, Ross. Thank you so much for joining me today on my podcast. I truly appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sonny. I'm excited. And Ross, I remember uh, when we met for the first time a couple of years ago at one of the peer groups. And one thing that I have noticed, which I shared with you the other day when we were, uh, when we connected regarding this podcast is that you have transformed men uh, in the last few years, your transformation is so visible. And that is in terms of your overall physical fitness to overall just the growth that I see in an individual from the mindset, heart set, and soul set perspective, you have transformed in the last few years. And it's so great to see. And you're sharing that experience. Uh, the other day I was reading uh, one of your posts on LinkedIn and it was so interesting. And where, you know, I loved uh, that journey uh, that you had in the last few years. So I'm super excited about you know, uh, getting to know more about Ross today. And I know you always talk about, you know, that power of mindset. So that's where I would like to start, first of all, my friend. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about the mindset that you always uh, focus on? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I think it's in order to establish mindset, because, you know, we don't, we're not just born into these mindsets we have to learn all of these things as we go through our lives. And so I think it's important to establish that, you know, cause you always hear somebody, Oh, you've gotten all this progress. You've made all, you've had all this success. You've done all these things. And we always only talk about what happened leading up to it. And I think it's important to establish what happened earlier on and those types of things, because I think a lot of people who are struggling, especially when it comes to health or weight or fitness or any of those, um, those, you know, personal things, is that they got to know that most of the transformations that people go through come from uh, a deeper, darker place. <laughs> you know, if you go back all the way to my childhood, uh, I, I started, I, I, was, I was thin as a child, probably first up into first or second grade, but I was, I was kind of awkward. I was always an introvert. And I started putting on a lot of weight uh, as I got into third, fourth grade. And that continued on until I got into middle school. And middle school uh, was very difficult for me. A lot of kids made fun of me. I didn't really have many friends. Uh, I mean, I, there was a lot of back then in the 80s, um, in early 90s, there was a lot of abuse that went on in school that there was not an awareness of like there is today. And so it was very hard going through and being go, going through those years and being as awkward and, and overweight as I was. And, you know, I, I actually have a video that I put out on LinkedIn a few months ago where I talked about kind of about that transformation in video form versus the one that, that you saw. And a lot of it was driven by the fact that I just I wanted girls to like me. And they didn't. They didn't pay any attention to me or I always got put in as the friend because, you know, when you're young, you wanted to have you wanted to date the cutest boy in school. You wanted to date the star of the football team or the hockey team or the track team or whatever it was. 
And that wasn't me. <laughs> I was not that, that sporting type. So it was very painful as a kid, but I, I went through my first transformation when I was in the eighth grade. And I don't really know how I did it, but I got tired. I just got fed up with feeling that way. I got fed up with being unhappy. And my father said something to me that was really impactful um, one morning because he used to take me to McDonald's for breakfast every morning. So it was no wonder I, I, I put on so much weight. But I didn't, I didn't want McDonald's that morning. And I was really upset. And I said, don't ever take me to McDonald's again. And he said, well, why? What's wrong? And I said, I'm tired of being fat. I'm tired of being ugly. I'm tired of not fitting in. I'm tired of having nobody like me. And I want to make a change. Uh, and he was like, you know, he just looked at me and he said, if you're tired of where you are, then make that choice and, and do something different. Do something make a different decision because obviously making the same decisions over and over aren't going to get you anywhere new. And so I did. And, and I changed my entire habits at that point. I, I started eating an apple for breakfast instead of McDonald's. I, instead of having hamburger and French fries for lunch, I ate a turkey sandwich with nothing but the bread and the meat. Um, I, I cut my dinners way, way, way down. And my family's, if my family would order pizza where I used to have four five, six pieces, I would eat two. And I worked out every day after school. I had friends on the track team and on the wrestling team, and I would go to the gym with them and work out. And, and so over the course of the rest of eighth grade and all of ninth grade and into 10th grade, I went through this huge transformation because I stayed so consistent to the habits and it was painful and it was hard. And I used to go to sleep at night crying because uh, it, the, just my stomach hurt so bad, uh, but I somehow stayed committed to, to doing it. And so the transformation that you're talking about that I went through just a few years ago or over the last few years, you know, wasn't built on never having done this before. I did this when I was, I was a kid and I, I did it again uh, later on in life through uh, just after college. And then this was the last time I did it. And there always seems to be some kind of an event that goes on in your life, whether it's growing up and going through adolescence, starting a business, getting married, whatever you go through, that is this huge change in your life it tends to set you back from what it was you were doing before or the commitments or the habits that you had before and your priorities in life change. And it's really important that you figure out a way to navigate through all of those major changes. So this last one that I went through was really just, I was tired of, of living the same way. I mean, you know, my business had dominated my life for such a long time. I always prioritized business, then family, and then I'd put myself dead last. And what really happened to me is I realized that I can't look at it that way anymore. I have to start putting myself first because if I don't give myself anything, if I don't build myself up, if I don't have that confidence, if I don't have the energy, if I don't have the health, how can I give it to my family or to my business? So I just swapped them. And today I put myself first, my family second, and my business third. And that's really helped me to get to a new place of, of wealth of mind, wealth of heart, wealth of soul, because I understand a lot more about who I am. I'm kinder, I'm gentler, I'm more caring. And I used to, sounds really crazy, but my, my wife's a big animal lover and she won't even kill a spider. And I used to just make fun of her. I'd be like, this is crazy. There's a spider in the house, kill that thing, flush it down the toilet. And today I'll go trap it in a cup and set it free outside. <laughs> which is weird. I, it, it feels a little weird because that was never my identity. But, you know, I, I, I got to this place by, by just going through these transformational changes, books that I read, uh, people that I met, experiences that I had all really helped me to get to that place. 
That's so powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that and very inspirational. And a couple of things that uh, when you're sharing this story, what comes to my mind is that uh, our experiences, uh, if we are aware of those experiences and we commit to uh, learn from it and then transform, those experiences can transform us uh, as long as we have that awareness, uh, we have that commitment, and then we have the courage to make bigger choices, have a bigger dream. And uh, that's so awesome to hear. And also how you flipped everything from a majority of the entrepreneurs that I talk to, especially small businesses, startups, and it is tough, right? Uh, being an entrepreneur, just having everything uh, building uh, from ground up and entrepreneurs end up sacrificing their health. And yeah. I love that when you're sharing that overall flip that uh, put yourself first, uh, then uh, your family and then business. Yep. Uh, yes. And yeah, so, so that just kind of overall perspective uh, is so powerful because you got to be on this earth to make a difference. And, when, and that reminds me of uh, when I sit right next to my kids uh, uh, and I'm about to fly and they ask you to put your mask first, your oxygen mm -hmm. mask first, even though as a father, as a parent, my natural inclination is to put that mask on my child first. But that is, that is, what, that is what comes to my mind that how important it is for you to take care of yourself so that you can take care of others. And that's right. so powerful. And thank you for sharing that. Now, yeah. I want to also talk about, you know, one of the things that was really interesting when we were uh, talking about having this podcast about podcast is a time utilization system. And you also, uh, you know, shared your overall perspective on setting uh, time management versus time utilization. Uh, and you have a very unique uh, time util utilization process. And can you please share uh, how it works and what, what that unique process is? Sure. Yeah, it's, I used to call it a time management system, but um, Robin Robbins, who is a, a marketing coach of mine, yeah. says you can't manage time. You can only choose how to use it. And so I ended up changing what I called it. And I don't refer to it as a time management system anymore because I have the same 24 hours in a day that everybody else does. And the way I use that time is what matters. I can't manage other things that happen. I can't, you know, I can do my best to deal with them, but it's really about the choices that I make. And for me, it's about making those choices in advance, being proactive. Mm -hmm. How am I going to do things ahead of time? The reason this happened is because in, in my MSP, I noticed a huge problem with our entire staff, especially the higher level staff, management, uh, level three engineers. I noticed that there was a lot of time that was being wasted, mostly because there was too much dependence on these specific roles in the organization to solve big problems. And because they were more refined, because they were more experienced than uh, level one, level two engineers, or some of the other roles in the company that weren't customer service folk, uh, customer service facing, is that things would always get escalated to them. So a client would become accustomed to working with a level three engineer, go, I just want to skip level one and level two. I want to go straight to level three because they know how to solve my problem and I enjoy speaking with them. 
And the problem with that is, is you invest all this time into running a service desk, you invest all this time into optimizing your, your labor efficiency. And when you've got your clients bypassing this huge resource that you have in your company and going straight to the people who are the costliest part of your business, you can't scale. And when that happens, obviously there, there's some problems going on in, in your company that you really need to get to the bottom of. And, and one of the biggest problems I found that was the cause for that was that these particular people had very poor, had a very poor system for how they made choices around their time. Mm -hmm. And they were driven to help the client. And, and what happened was, is that they were letting the client determine for them how their time got spent versus them making those choices. So they were not in control of their own time. And I saw that as a big problem. So as I was paying attention to this for a while and having, you know, meeting after meeting and having lots of conversations, I thought to myself, well, this has been happening to me too. Like I'm struggling with this. I keep getting things escalated to me. I'm always involved in everything. Why, why, do, why does every issue end up on my plate? And every time there's a major issue with a client, I'm being pulled in. Every time there's a sales and marketing issue, I'm being pulled in. Every time anything happens in the business, I'm involved in it. And I began to feel that stranglehold of just being bottlenecked by everything. So I thought, all right, I, I got to fix this first for myself because I have to prove to myself if, if there's a way to solve this problem before I can try to help anybody else in my organization. And so what I did is I developed a system to make specific choices around how I'd use my time that would change my own, the course of my own day. Now, obviously that required me taking certain hats off. And so what I did is I created five tools and this was based on certain books and ideas and other things that I had read like Atomic Habits, um, The Perfect uh, Week Formula. Um, Atomic Habits is written by James Clear. Perfect Week Formula is written by Craig Ballantyne. And they were all very much about habit change and how you use your time properly. And so I created a system that really worked for me using these five tools. And my five tools are what are called the typical day schedule. So you make a list of what a typical day looks like for you. What time do I get up? What time do I eat breakfast? What time do I do my morning activities? And, and you can stay out of the weeds with a lot of things. You don't say, well, I answer this and then I go fix that problem. You can say, well, I'm, I'm working on general morning tasks from 10 a.m. to noon lunch, afternoon tasks, what time do I eat dinner? How much time do I spend with my family? What time do I go to bed? When is my exercise? All of those things are important. So you make those decisions ahead of time by saying, here's what my typical day should look like. Not, not the messiness that it is, but what should it look like? And you write that all out. Then you create what I call the want to do and need to do list. And I broke it up this way because I knew that most people were spending their time doing tasks for others. You get asked to do something. I need you to do X. I need you to do Y. I need you to do Z. Those things happen because someone else needed you to do them. And if you didn't do them, whether it was a colleague, a boss, a client, whatever, is that they'd be disappointed you didn't get it done. So if you told somebody you'd have something done by Friday and you didn't get it done to the following Friday, they're going to be upset. I expected it by this Friday. I call those need to do because you need to do them for somebody else. They're the most urgent and important tasks, right? But the problem is we always um, ignore the important non-urgent tasks. And I call those the want to do. So if you're thinking about it from, um, if you've ever heard of the Eisenhower matrix, this goes back to Stephen Covey's um, book as well, the Eisenhower matrix, which actually goes back to President Eisenhower. Uh, this is how he broke up tasks. 
And so the want to do are all the things that you could be working on and should be spending at least 20 to 30% of your week focused on because they're going to bring about big change in your life, big change in your business. Can I in, can I do better with documentation? Can I create more process? Can I invest in my sales and marketing? The stuff that if you didn't get it done this week, nobody's going to be calling you up going, what the hell? But you know that if you did focus time on it, you'd be in a much better place. Um, so that's the want to do, need to do list. And I create that every Sunday morning. As soon as I wake up on Sunday morning, I get my coffee and I write that list out. The acceptable interruptions list. And what I found was, is that most people were allowing themselves to be interrupted for everything. Didn't matter. Shoulder taps, phone calls, meetings, constant interruption. And so they'd work through this entire day and get very little done and feel unsatisfied, unfulfilled, and frustrated. It was this feeling that you ended up with, regardless of how much work you got done, that was that crappy feeling. And that made you disenfranchised from your business, from your company, from your job. And so the acceptable interruptions list are the three things that are actual reasons for you to be interrupted. Major client issue, major family issue, something along those lines. And you write that out. But by writing it out, you're making an agreement ahead of time saying, these are the only things I'm going to allow interruptions for. And while you're working through your day, you pay attention to that and say, no, it's not an acceptable interruption. Going to have to wait. The personal non-negotiables, that's your family time and your personal time. I'm going to work out every day. I have an hour set aside for it, 45 minutes, whatever it is. It's a personal non-negotiable. I don't sacrifice it ever. And so that's got to be paid attention to it. It's built into your schedule every day. And then the most important of the five tools is what I call my start and stop calendar. And that is me taking all of my time and booking it out on my calendar on a Sunday morning before the week begins. I start with my wants and I book those first and then I do my needs second. And then I leave about 20% of my calendar open for those interruptions that I know I'm going to have. I'm going to get shoulder taps. I'm going to get those other things. Okay, no problem. Let's book that in. We'll, we'll help you then. We'll work on that then. And so I started doing that in 2019 and I did it through 2020 and it started to make a massive difference in how I felt at the end of every day. And that was really the most important part. How did I feel? Did I feel like I accomplished everything? And I was getting to the end of the week thinking, I crossed every item off my list. I don't feel frustrated. I'm able to go into the weekend focused on my family. And if I want to do work over the weekend, I'm working on those wants that are really going to help move my business forward. I'm not having to catch up on all the stuff I didn't get done. And so I started teaching my team how to do that this past spring. Um, and we've been really successful. Uh, there's some people that are still struggling to get it, but some of the people that are a little bit better with these types of systems have gained a lot of traction and feel completely differently about, about their jobs today. I've, I've been checking in with them periodically and the feedback I've had is, wow, what a difference. Like I, I don't ever feel frustrated at the end of every week. Even when it is a tough week, I get my work done and I've got a system in place now to tackle all of that. So that in a very um, lack of brevity form is my time utilization system. <laughs> that's so amazing uh, because you know that's a very, um... A uh, common thing that I'm hearing, especially when uh, from busy professionals, uh, that hey, you know, I work 12 hours, but then at the end of the day, at the end of the week, week that sense of frustration sometimes that I had to get these few projects done and I did not get those done, and now I have to work weekend, and and but I don't know where my time is going, and it's like you know, technology disruptions to client disruptions to overall someone else's uh, procrastination becomes your 
uh, you know, yep. P1. No problem. Yep. And, you know, that your time, uh, you know, you, you just don't know. You don't, don't realize where it goes. And that sense of frustration, not, you know, in terms of not making progress. And I love this, that you have uh, now designed this system, which is tested and proven, and you love it. Uh, where you're taking your wants list, which to me is something that is more strategic and proactive. And for an entrepreneur to be successful or a leader or a professional to be successful, uh, you got to be very much focused on your strategic stuff, right? Which is yeah. proactive. Mm -hmm. And then your reactive stuff, uh, which is could be needs and, uh, and other things. But one thing that I'm uh, curious about is, are you using EOS or any other business operating system in your business? Yeah, we are. So we started EOS uh, almost four years ago in our company. We've worked with an implementer just about the entire time. Yeah. Uh, we've it, It's been extremely helpful and beneficial to our business. And I think it's, I think I got more success with my time utilization system because we had taught a lot of those concepts to our staff, the level 10 meeting, the five, five, fives, uh, you know, basing everything on our core value system. Our third core value is proactivity prevents problems, which is at the core of our why, the core of my personal why, and, you know, why, why our company exists. So without those things, I don't think I would have had as much success. That business operating system has been critical. Yeah. So is there any mapping that you do from, uh, like we use EOS here as well, and I think uh, we have a common friend who does a lot of EOS uh, implementations uh, there as well. Yes. So I look at my to-do from our cross-functional weekly L10 that I do with my department leaders. Uh, then I have uh, uh, some, uh, you know, I, I don't have personally a, a rock assigned to me, but I'm, I'm a team member in some of these rocks uh, mm -hmm. where I need to contribute uh, based on my unique strengths. And so I kind of, you know, uh, I do something, uh, something uh, related, I mean, very similar uh, where, you know, I put together my focus items list and my buffer items list and my, but my, my focus time is more directly related to rocks, US rocks, yep. Yep. proactive stuff. So do you have some kind of mapping done with your uh, time utilization system where rocks go maybe want or need list or so yeah you so you have some mapping there yeah and i i don't think a rock has to necessarily fit into one or the other in terms of wants or needs i think there's parts of any kind of rock that that will fit into both for example one of my rocks with my marketing department this quarter is the second phase of overhauling all of our marketing message and it's marketing is very near and dear to my heart um, at, at my core, I'm a storyteller. I, I went to NYU film and TV. So I, I love to write scripts. I love to tell stories. I love to invoke emotions in people. So marketing resonates a lot with me. And, and this quarter is, is about taking our marketing message to the next level. And so there's parts of that rock that fit into the want to do. For example, I might say, I really want to attend a webinar with somebody who I really respect in marketing that you know, I want to learn from. Now, nobody's going to be upset with me if I don't go to that webinar, but I might hear something in that webinar. I might get some piece of information that really helps me dial in what it is I'm trying to accomplish that much better. And so that is a want to do. Well, I still have to hit certain specific SMART goals inside of my rock by a certain date. 
And the team is going to be disappointed with me if I don't get those done. That might be the delivery of a trade show booth. It could be the launch of a podcast. It could be anything. And, and those are things that, that move the, the business forward. So those would fit under a need to do type category. Awesome. Now, thank you for sharing that. And, uh, you know, so, so one of the uh, common challenge, uh, Ross, is uh, so for busy professionals, leaders, entrepreneurs, it's very hard to have that balanced approach, right? Where uh, for time for, you know, me time uh, and then family time and business time and some uh, community work time that we are all mm -hmm. normally associated with some uh, community work. And so how do you, I want to learn about your typical week. Uh, you know, so how do you kind of balance everything? So just a very high level uh, what percentage of time maybe, or how do you handle all those, uh, the, these four different uh, buckets, right? Meantime, yeah. uh, and family time, and business time, and some kind of legacy time? Yeah, and, and it's easier with business because business requires functional work that you have to complete. There's, some, there's usually some sort of deliverable that comes out of every task, whatever that is. If it's somebody else's deliverable, it's your deliverable, it really doesn't matter. And so we associate that with this logical sense that you know the, the neocortex part of our brain is always thinking about how do I make that logical? How do I make that tangible, All right? There's very little emotion or feeling that goes into it. This is due, this report is due by this date, I have to get it done. And I know that, it, it makes sense. And so the problem, I think, and when people use this word balance, it kind of bothers me because they keep trying to make balance logical and it isn't, it's not, it's not, you can't balance time. Balance is a feeling. It's what you get when you're doing the right things and you're focusing on them the right way. And you're giving each part of these things, the right amount of time. Hmm. I still spend more hours working on my business than I do anything else but I don't feel out of balance. Now you might look at my calendar, you might look at my time and think he's out of balance. He should be giving as much time to his family or as much time to his, himself as he is to his business. I just don't agree with that. As an entrepreneur, you are always gonna give the most number of hours to your business, it will demand it. But the most important aspect is that you walk away every day and every week, not feeling like it's out of balance, meaning that when I spend time personally, when I go work out, when I do those things, I'm so focused on those specific tasks. I'm in the moment. I'm getting what it is I need to get out of it. I'm not going to work out for eight hours a day. I'm not going to meditate for eight hours a day. I'm not going to go for leisurely strolls through the forest for eight hours a day. It's not going to happen. Seeming, you know, similarly, I'm not going to spend eight hours a day with my two daughters. They have no interest in spending eight hours a day with me. <laughs> not even my wife, I think, well, my wife might want to spend that much time with me. <laughs> but it's about making the time count. It's about doing something that's meaningful with that time and making memories from it. That's what gives you the feeling of balance. So when I say I put myself first, what I mean is I prioritize the time, the way I allocate the time in my calendar, thinking about myself first. It doesn't mean I give myself personally more time than I give my business. When I sit down on Sunday mornings with my cup of coffee and I plan that week out, all that time's in there. My, my meals are planned out. My workouts are planned out. 
the time that I spend with my wife and with my kids is planned out. I know when it's going to happen. I know what we're going to do ahead of time. And yes, I still, people are going to think, well, there's no room for spontaneity. That's not true. I just say, listen, here's the time that's blocked out for them. Let's go be spontaneous and see where it, it takes us. So you can still block out periods of time and not remove spontaneity from your life. Yeah. And walking away from it, there's no such thing as work-life balance from a time or a percentage. Those don't exist and people need to let go of that concept. It's about that feeling of balance. And I, I call it integration. I work when I want to work. I, I play when I want to play. And I don't live life by a nine to five schedule. Now that's so true. Uh, I see a lot of people sometimes, uh, they will say, okay, I spend these many hours at work, these many hours at home with my kids, with my family. But when you really go deep into the conversations and it's more, you know, the time that is being spent is not really quality, right? So you can spend two hours sitting in your living room and be on the more phone and be right next to your kids or family, uh, you know, your husband, your wife, but not be there, right? Not be there as a person. It's just your right. body is there, but you are mentally somewhere else. Yeah. And that doesn't mean anything, right? So those hours don't mean anything. And yeah. uh, uh, so quality versus quantity and how you kind of, whenever you are there, you are present and the quality matters more. And uh, yeah, so no, thank you for sharing that. And that is so powerful that we can, we can have, you know, what do we call balance or you, you know, the, with your idea of a work-life balance is, is more on being intentional about uh, your time and, the, and, and being intentional about the quality uh, of those hours, quality of that percentages, whatever that means to you. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and being more, I mean, staying present and productive. And positive, the three Ps: yep. so positive, yep. present, and productive. In those hours, yep. is what yep. it, it is really. That's what I'm hearing from your comments. Yeah. And now, so if you can walk me through your your typical day, typical week, uh, because uh, you know uh, you have transformed, and there's something that you're doing right. Uh, where you were and how you made that progress and your journey uh, is. Probably, you know, a lot goes uh, to, to this discipline that you have to utilize your time effectively. So can you share your typical day, typical week? Your yeah, absolutely. Actually, morning so, routine, Ross, and evening routine. I'm super excited yeah. for your morning and evening routine. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a lot of people think you got to get up at five o'clock in the morning. I don't get up at five. I am not part of the 5 a.m. club, <laughs> uh, you know, but the, the morning is my magic time. The morning is my magic time. I, I like to get up before everybody else. My family is, is late sleepers. They are not morning people. They're night people. I get up at 6.30 every morning. Uh, it's, I don't need to set an alarm anymore. My body wakes me up at 6.30. And that didn't matter if I went to bed at 10 p.m. or 2 a.m. My body gets me up at 6.30 in the morning. If I made the mistake of going to bed at 2, that's my own fault. And <laughs> now I need to go to bed earlier the next night. But I wake up at 6.30, uh, I drink water, and I have this on my schedule, I drink water, uh, I, I like to get 20 ounces of water in my body before I have coffee, just to get that hydration going, to hit that gallon of water every day. I then make coffee, uh, have a cup of coffee, and my favorite thing to do is just sit down at my computer and see where everything is. That's when I spend a good amount of time on my LinkedIn, 
uh, catching up with people's posts, interacting and engaging with other people who I follow and who I'm friends with, whose content I like to engage in. And, you know, I, it's not just about that. I, I, I really enjoy doing it because there's so much that I learned just engaging from a lot of the people that I've connected with and built relationships with a lot of wisdom. And I usually almost every single day get some piece of wisdom out of interacting with some of that content it goes, you know, I got to think about that today. That's good. Uh, I want to do that. Or, or, you know, I follow a woman who just talks about your relationship with your business and how you can use these little devices, these little tactics to, to improve that. So I, I do that in the morning. Uh, then I usually have about an hour of meeting prep for any meetings that I have. I have a lot of meetings on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. I like to get all my meetings done early in the week, the first half of the week. By midday through Wednesday, I have no more meetings for the rest of the week. Uh, and so I do a lot of meeting prep on Mondays and Tuesdays. My workouts with my personal trainer are Mondays and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. And then I also work out and do my own weight training on Fridays at 11 a.m. I go for cardio twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. If for some reason, and I do that in the afternoon at 5 p.m. If there is any reason I can't do that, for example, today I won't be able to do that because I'm going to see Guns N' Roses in concert. <laughs> Then I have Saturday and Sunday as my makeup days for any time that gets missed. So I can always hit my five workout days a week if I end up having a rest day during the week. Uh, most of the morning is spent in meetings that I have with the rest of my team. Uh, lunch is at 12.30 on the dot every single day. Uh, it's right on my calendar. I eat lunch at 12.30. That's just my schedule. And then the afternoon, I spend a lot of time working on my want-to-do tasks other things. I don't consider them meetings because I've chosen to be in them. I want to get on a webinar or I want to have a call with somebody to plan something. Uh, so I do that. And Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays are my one-on-one -on -one with my marketing team. I do that at um, 9 a.m. every, um, I'm sorry, 10 a.m. every uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So that never conflicts with my workouts. And, and, and I always get that in. Very, very important to keep all of that stuff moving forward. Uh, the afternoon usually ends at, uh, during the week, it ends at six on a Friday, it ends at five. So I like to be done at five on a Friday. I like to, especially in the summer, go out and sit on our deck with my wife when the weather's nice, or just go be with my family at five o'clock. Most other days at six o'clock, unless, you know, it's usually on Tuesdays and Thursdays, right after I get my, my cardio in, then I'm done. I will do work in the evenings. Oftentimes I work Monday uh, evenings and Wednesday evenings. Uh, I like to do other things like that. I, I create a lot of videos, do a lot of content creation, and I work at those, those things at night. But I'm never spending time doing stuff that I needed to catch up on or that I didn't get done during the day because all of those days are perfectly planned out on a Sunday morning before I get there. I do leave time open too. I'll, I'll have, let's say on a Monday um, from one to four, I'll have that time just completely open. Anybody can book that time. Uh, and if they don't, then I book it out with tasks that I want to get done. And I manage all of that through my calendar. It's color coded into my different classification systems. And that's pretty much how my week goes. Weekends are almost all family time. I do like to spend some time on Sundays creating more content and more videos. I have a studio in my basement. I'll go in and do that. My family loves to, my kids wake up late. And my wife likes to watch TV by herself for many hours on Sunday mornings just to relax. So I use that time to get that, that work done that I really enjoy doing uh, without worrying about needing to be spending time with them because they want to be alone at that point anyway. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. And uh, that's, uh, that's so exciting, uh, very in, uh, inspirational. 
and a lot of discipline and uh, self-leadership, uh, right? Uh, that is uh, awesome. Uh, because it takes <laughs> it takes that self leadership for us to lead others well. It starts with yeah. us, and uh, yeah. so glad to see that uh, with you. And yeah. so now I want to talk about first of all, uh, congratulations on your growth, and congratulations on you winning a lot of industry awards. I know one of the show that uh, we both were at recently, Robin Robbins, and uh, you won. Uh, an award there as well. And uh, I always see you uh, growing not only as an individual, but your organization uh, continuous network uh, has an amazing, amazing growth journey. And so I want to talk a little bit about growth and that is mm -hmm. organic. And uh, I know you, uh, m and is also part of your growth strategy. So I want to talk, talk about those two. So sure. talk to me about you as a MSP owner your biggest challenge, your growth challenge, and how you are overcoming that obstacle, that challenge. What is your strategy? Yeah, and, and so you brought up the, the Better Your Best contest, Robin Robbins Technology Marketing Toolkit, Better Your Best contest that I was in. I did not win that contest, uh, but it was an absolutely amazing experience because I got to get up on stage in front of a thousand people in person, and I believe another 1500 remote people and tell my story about how I overcame a lot of these things. And, you know, you really can't experience the type of growth that we've been able to experience. If you're still doing the stuff that you did when you were under a million dollars in revenue, even when you were 2 million or 3 million, if you keep doing those same things, you don't ever get there. And the biggest thing that I really realized, and I would say this to my team all the time is, if there's one thing that I need to be good at, if I'm good at nothing else, the one thing I need to be good at is hiring, making decisions to bring in the right people. Because I know from my own personal experience, and I talked about this in my presentation for Better Your Best, is that when you keep taking everything on yourself, when, when you have this mentality that if I want it done right, I have to do it myself, you can never scale, you can never grow. And you have to let go of that. You have to start trusting other people. And you, and you know they're not going to do it as well as you are. And especially in the beginning, they're not going to do it as well as you are. What, what happens, though, is over time, you realize that it's not that they're going to do it as well as you can. It's that they're going to do it differently. And that maybe, just maybe, that might actually be better in the long run. And so you begin to make strategic decisions about who to assign specific roles to in your organization. And that's what really allows for scalability. Plateaus happen because most owners are afraid to spend the money to reinvest in their business. And they keep running around completely out of whack, mismanaging their time, misutilizing their time. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, it, and it just strangles them. It strangles them and that's why they plateau. That's why they can't get past that point. Every time that I've made specific strategic hires in my business in those critical roles, we've seen a huge leap forward. And it's because I stopped focusing on all of those things that I was doing previously and I started focusing on the stuff that was getting ignored. For example, uh, if you went back four years ago, I was involved in every technical project. I was involved in every new client onboarding. I was involved in every sales call. I was involved in every marketing campaign. <laughs> if we did it, I was involved in it. We'd get a client that was too big for us to handle and 
I would be down in the trenches working all night, all weekend to try to deliver what it is we had promised to the customer. And it was killing me. It was absolutely killing me. I was, I was overweight. I was drinking all the time. I was unhealthy. I was frustrated. I was short with my wife and my kids. I was just generally unhappy and unpleasant. And when I started trusting people and I started delegating those tasks and assigning certain things, the intent yes. to people in my staff, they started to grow and it was rough at first and they wouldn't get it. But instead of me going in and saying, get out of the way, I'll do it for you. I'd say, okay, let me show you how to do that better next time. Let me teach you the ways that this can be done. And, and sometimes a lot of that time, those want that want to do time comes down to just saying, listen, I want to show somebody how to do it. I'm going to spend an hour teaching you how you can do this a little bit better because I saw this and I saw that and, and I think you can get there. And what that's allowed me to do is focus on our organic growth, focus on building a sales department, build, focus on building a marketing department. That's really helped me to expand the business. We had tremendous growth from 2019 to 2020. We're going to have even more growth from a top line revenue perspective this year than we did the previous year. And that's coming from the fact that we're making those strategic hires and it's allowing these other areas of the business to grow. Yeah, and I'm so glad to hear that you are more leveraging your strengths, uh, what you're go good at, and then finding team members that you can collaborate with to do things that they do well, and then getting out of their way. Uh, and uh, uh, overall, uh, you know, the way uh, you're expanding, the way you're growing, and that is the only way. And uh, this is why you have that social proof uh, behind your growth, uh, because you're taking a very different approach than a typical uh, MSP owner, uh, where it's more on how I'm going to do this, rather than who's going to do this for me, and who's best at doing <laughs> that work. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, they're in their own way, but their own method, uh, but they are producing the same business outcome and the result. And even if they do, they do that at 80%, that's success, right? But that's how you can Yep. expand beyond you otherwise yep. you are the limitation as a leader uh, if you don't don't do that and uh, i'm so glad that uh, that is how you're growing and that's that's a really uh, powerful powerful uh, approach to do that right and now you have to I know, you have to yeah. teach your you have to teach your team this as well um because if, if you can't just have you doing it if you don't teach your team how to do that you're also not going to get the same growth. Part of the time utilization system uses filters. Uh, we built filters as part of the want to do, need to do list, the tool. So when people are assigning themselves need to do's, one of the filters that they run through is, am I the best person to do the work? Hmm. And so when you're making that list, you always have to run it through that filter. Am I the best person to do this work? And if the answer to that question is no, who yeah. is? And what can happen is you can say, well, I'm not the best person. Somebody else is, they don't know how to do it, or they need to be shown how to do it better. So you move that off your need, you put it on your wants, and now you assign that as something that you're going to teach them how to do. So instead of you using the time to do it yourself, you use the time to show someone else how to do it or how to do it better. Yeah, that, that's, that. I mean, yeah, that, 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 is, that is so amazing uh, that, you know, at the end of the day, uh, leadership is all about that. Can you expand beyond yourself and can you make a diff bigger difference by finding those 
collaborators, those team members where they can collaborate well and it's complementary skill. And you as a leader, you have time to coach and develop other people, right? Yep. Uh, that, is, uh, that is so amazing. Now, in terms of uh, uh, your inorganic uh, growth strategy, so can you talk to yep. me a little bit what you're doing? And then also uh, a little bit about your marketing. I know you're so passionate about sales marketing and you're doing some really, really wonderful stuff there. So uh, yeah. your M&A strategy and your uh, sales marketing. Yep. So, and you know, it's funny that you brought up EOS before because a lot of this does go back to the EOS model and some of the things that we really had to discover about ourselves to be able to nail some of these things down. So my business partner, Jason, and I have some very aggressive growth goals that we want to hit over the next few years. And a lot of that comes from, you know, kind of being able to set that big, hairy, audacious goal, that 10-year target that they talk about in EOS. Our 10-year target, uh, we call the Aloha 500. Now, if you look at the why of why we do what we do, it, it's to show others, to guide others toward a new perspective that helps them lead a more proactive life. And that's really our core purpose, our core why of, of continuous networks, why we do what we do. And so we know that by showing and helping business owners in, in our space, in, in, our, in our target market, the, the clients that we cater to, how to do that and how to implement the types of systems and processes that we've learned how to in our business, we know that ultimately they're going to worry less, they're going to have more confidence, they're going to be less frustrated with their day-to-day -day because we know that technology can help them solve a lot of their business problems that aren't even technically directly related to technology. Shrinking margins, uh, competing with their e-commerce competition, making sure that their staff is running more efficiently and they can keep costs down. Staff's their biggest cost. It's all of our biggest costs. And so as we began to develop that, we realized that in order to get to this big, hairy, audacious goal, this Aloha 500, which by the way means that there are a hundreds, or I'm sorry, 500 small business owners that are all getting better sleep as a result of what it is Continuous Networks does. That, that's our big goal. We're, we're 500 is our number. 500 clients that we are helping through this process, through this system that we have developed. Uh, and once we get to that point, you know, there's obviously revenue attached to that. We're taking the entire team to Hawaii for a vacation. So that's where it all came out of. And, and everybody knows that. They, they, they have this goal to understand that we're there to help people learn how to be proactive, to learn how to make strategic decisions in their business that are better, that are gonna help them achieve these better business results. And, and the more they're focused on that specific purpose and bring it back to our core values, the quicker we will get to that big goal. And so they've all got that to look forward to when we finally reach that goal. Now we're not going to be able to take the whole team all at once. <laughs> we've, got to, we've got to split it up into two. But our, our M&A strategy, our acquisition strategy is about finding other businesses who understand and have the same sort of core value system and help us strategically achieve that goal. So uh, we did one last year and that really, that was a business owner who we had a lot of affinity with. He still works for us today. He's now our head of sales. And so we're always looking for a strategic way to bring other smart minds who, who want to help us achieve this big, hairy, audacious goal and be part of, of our bigger goal, which is really to help people lead that more proactive life. 
And when we have that affinity with them, it really makes for a great strategic partnership between our business and theirs. Uh, I can tell you that the one we did last year, we only had one employee who's no longer with us. We only have, I think, one client who's no longer with us. It's been an amazingly successful transaction and partnership. It begins as a transaction, it becomes a partnership. And so that's really what our m and strategy is about, is, is moving on beyond our geographical borders, moving uh, into Southern New Jersey, moving up into New York, moving into Pennsylvania, and eventually expanding what it is we do so that we can continue to help more and more business owners have this feeling that we know our clients have today. So you're looking for those uh, strategic partners in the Northeast, Northeast first, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York, and then yep. beyond these markets. Yeah, potentially Connecticut. We're, we're really focused mostly in New Jersey today um, or Manhattan, one of the five boroughs of New York City, really where our primary focus is today. But in order to really get, in order to really achieve that goal, to have that many business owners have that type of feeling, it's going to require us to move be, most likely beyond uh, our geographical, current geographical borders, which we're perfectly okay with. We're, we're beginning to move into Pennsylvania today. So yeah, it's, we're always looking for new potential partners who want to become part of what it is we're doing. We're very much about being very strategic with staff. We're, we're not the type of company that wants to get rid of everybody. We, we want to find who, we want to discover people's value. We want to discover their skill sets. And, and hopefully, really all that matters to us is that they're a core value match. And if they're a core value match with us, they could potentially be um, a great addition to our overall goal and our team. Awesome. And can you share your culture, your core values? Uh, uh, yeah. So what are your core values and what the culture looks like? Sure. So we have five. Uh, the first one is deliver dedication, which is doing everything at 100%. I'm going to go through these quickly. The yep. second one is learning is growing. So learning, all you always have to be learning. You always have to be taking the next step. You can never become uh, complacent with where you are. Proactivity prevents problems solving problems before they happen, learning from your mistakes and not making the same mistake twice. Uh, business is personal, taking all of those three things and building personal relationships with your colleagues, with your clients, with vendors, personal people, we can't do anything alone. We require, we need human interaction. We need other people to help us get the job done. And so business is personal. I, I always hate it when people say it's not personal, it's business. And that, that bothered me. I'm like, no, it is personal. Everything's personal. This is all personal. We're building relationships here. Um, and, and, you know, we don't go around burning bridges. I can tell you that when we do have to move on from employees, we don't take it lightly. Um, everyone's given a, a very nice severance package because we, we don't ever wish any ill will on anybody. And the only time we move on from an employee is when they're either not a core value fit or when they just, there isn't a seat for them that's right. Not everybody, you know, right, right person, right seat is, is very, very critical. And so it is possible that sometimes, and this has happened before, that we've had to move on from certain people because they may be a core value fit, but they're just in the wrong seat. And unfortunately, we don't have a seat to put them in. Uh, but that's, you know, we don't treat people crappy. We, we treat them with dig dignity and respect and, and we want the best for them and we want them to land on their feet. Um, you know, it's just not how we how we do business, how you do anything is how you do everything. So that that's, that's very, very important to us. Um, and our last one is a tie does not make a professional. And that's my favorite core value because it's about authenticity. 
that came out of, uh, I used to work a desktop support job for hedge funds and <laughs> they were um, some of those difficult people to work with. And it, it got me thinking that just because you put on a suit and tie didn't mean that you acted or, or behaved professionally, it didn't mean that you were a professional. Uh, and if you weren't being true to yourself, and I, you know, I, I think to myself, these people can't possibly be this rude or possibly be this this way all the time. And I think a lot of it came from the stress of their jobs and, and trading millions of dollars every minute. And so that's where a tie does not make a professional came out from it. You have to be authentic. You have to be true to yourself and, you know, not being fake about who it is you are, what it is you do. We're at our personal best when we're, when we're true to ourselves. So that, that's our fifth. And, and, and I feel like that is a culmination of the previous four core values that really go into it. And that's really, Sonny, helped to build the, core, the, the culture that we have today. In fact, when, when we interview new um, candidates for, for positions in our company, I, I can't remember the last time we interviewed somebody who wasn't looking at other companies as well. And every single time we've put in a job offer in the past two and a half years, the person we've made the offer to always went with continuous networks. And the feedback that I've had on that is, is they went with us because we don't run them through these rigorous, horrible interview processes. We, we are true to our fourth core value, which is business is personal. I want to sit and have a chat with you. Before COVID happened, we would take every potential candidate out to dinner because I wanted to be able to sit down and have a meal with them and break bread. If you're somebody who I could see myself hanging out with after work or, or carrying on a conversation with, then you're somebody that anybody in my organization could do that with. You're going to be a great addition to the family. Mm. And people, people see that. They see the autonomy that, that we give our, our staff and, and that we give our, our team. And they want to be part of that because it's about making a difference. It's about getting your work done. It, it's not a nine to five. We don't want to sit here and watch you and, and boss you around. We want you to be the best version of yourself and get results. And, and people are attracted to that. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that, Ross. And uh, I mean, you have built an amazing culture, uh, amazing organization, and I love your uh, growth journey uh, there uh, with your organization and you as a leader. And when you talk about the mindset and the way uh, you look at life and the way, uh, like, you know, the overall flip uh, that you shared in the beginning in terms of, uh, you know, you got to take care of yourself first. Uh, before you take care of others, right? So if you have fire going on in your neighborhood, uh, you got to put up with your own fire first before yep. you yep. be that go-giver, right? And then start yep. helping other people. Yep. Uh, so, yep. you know, so having, taking care of yourself and your family and then business and being very intentional about utilizing your time effectively, that is amazing. And it's so great to see uh, that uh, our, our partner, uh, Continuous Networks is a great partner of IT by Design, and uh, we are growing together as partners, yeah. and it's so amazing to see for when, when I see my partners growing, it gives me so much, uh, so much um, meaning and happiness, and uh, I love to see uh, your growth, your journey, and thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing uh, your wisdom, very, very valuable insights, and I truly appreciate your time. Yes, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.